You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. There's a distinct lack of an appreciation for free speech, and it goes across the continent. I wish it were just one place. I wish it was just one party, one group of people, one side of the political aisle. But it's not. It's pretty widespread, the fact that, well, people don't actually appreciate free speech anymore. The old uh, line often attributed to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Does anybody actually live like that anymore? Does anyone think that? Friday night, we were here on the air as news broke about Donald Trump's rally being shut down in Chicago. And I said at the time, I've been to enough of these riots to know that it wasn't Trump supporters, that it was going to be some of his opponents, despite the fact that the the media spent all weekend saying it was Trump. Trump was to blame. Trump was to blame. Trump was to blame. They were victim-shaming him. Despite that happening all weekend, there's actual evidence of people chanting Bernie Sanders slogans and left-wing slogans as they try and mess things up, as they try and shut it down. Well, that's not the main thing that I want to talk to you about regarding free speech not being appreciated. We'll get into that later on, but that's not the main thing right now, nor is it what's happening in a story that is also from American politics and involves an awful lot of friends of mine down at Breitbart, where certain media organizations have decided that they're not about free speech, that they're about pushing a candidate's agenda. Like I said, it's not just the left, it's the right as well. And so you've got a media outlet founded by a man with high ideals and expectations, now acting as five different employees of left, saying it's acting like a super PAC for one candidate and trying to shut down dissent. We really shouldn't be shutting down dissent in the media. It's why I stand up for the rights of people like National Observer to be in the press gallery up on the hill. I know plenty of you heard about Rachel Notley and the Premier of Alberta trying to shut down the rebel. Well, guess what? We have organizations that some would question their validity up on Parliament Hill. Rabble.ca has a news reporter up there. The National Observer, which is far left-wing radical stuff, they've got somebody up there. Good. Good, I say. But then there's smaller Smaller examples of free speech being under attack that hit close to home and show you the end result of the safe space movement that has been sweeping campuses. Because you can say, well, it's Trump or it's this old guy or that old guy. Do you know how bad it is on campuses across Canada right now? If you have kids, you have some idea. If you've been at university or college recently, maybe you have some idea if you paid attention at all. But the fact is, our campuses, which are supposed to be areas where people have free free, uh, exchange of ideas and so on, 
That's out the window. I'm not even sure it was there when I was supposed to be going to university. Never went, by the way, and happy to say, because I got tired of being the only one that would challenge teachers. But I can't say I never went. Never finished. Finished college. I quickly discovered that, unfortunately, a liberal arts degree is not what it's cracked up to be. But there's a story on the front page of Metro Ottawa. Do you get these commuter papers when you're riding the bus, or do you see them downtown at Timmy's or wherever? And they're the free paper, and I guess you get what you pay for. Although they've got a real journalist running it. Guy used to be with Canadian Press, Steve Randy. He's got a clue. I think he's still running the Ottawa version. But the headline on the front page in a picture is of an OC Transpo city bus, and the headline is, Controversial anti-abortion bus ad unlikely to change city policy. OC Transpo has heard complaints about the controversial action life ad spotted on city buses. Do you know what the actual story is? Sorry, I'm reading the the follow-up. The original story actually cited two people that complained about this on social media. Danica Sabrin and Kayla Spagnoli. They're two left-wing activists who didn't like that they saw a pro-life ad. Now, this pro-life ad, ooh, it is disturbing. It uses words. There's no pictures in the ad. It doesn't have the graphic pictures of the end result of an abortion. It has words, and it simply says, abortion stops a beating heart. It gives out the phone number. If It says, abortion stops a a beating heart. Pregnant, need help? gives a phone number and a website, and it tells you that it's from Action Life, a local Catholic organization that is opposed to abortion. But they also offer services. So if you're pregnant and need help, you call them. But these two young women were disturbed by the idea that there's a sign out there that says, abortion stops a beating heart. Maybe they weren't paying attention in science class, but let me spell it out for you. I don't care where you stand on the issue of abortion. Abortion stops a beating heart. Ask any pregnant woman how early they can hear the baby. How early can you go in and get that, uh, what is it even called? I was about to call it a sonogram. That's the old-fashioned word. You You go in there and you can hear the beating heart. It's at about five weeks. You can hear the beating heart because there is a beating heart. And so abortion stops a beating heart. But this triggers some people in the safe space camp. The people that think, well, we, we, we can't offend and we've got to make sure that there are safe spaces for people to go and talk about things. And apparently that extends to our streets now. So... They complained about this to each other on Facebook. Now, nobody gives a crap what's on Danica Sabrin's Facebook page other than her and her friends. And I guess the original reporter on this, someone named Haley Ritchie, must be one of her friends because she saw it and went, oh, yeah, great story. The original story had no counterpoint. It was an awful piece of journalism that the entire publication over at Metro Ottawa should hang their head in shame over. Because it was essentially designed to just say, hey, look, there's a couple of young women that are opposed to a sign that's opposed to abortion. 
All right, water is wet, fire burns, film at 11. The story is man bites dog, not dog bites man. People disagree over abortion all the time. But see, that's not the original intent. Their intent is to use the story to create controversy to shut down the ability of groups like Action Life to take out ads like this. This is an ad that, as I said, it only uses words. It doesn't use the graphic pictures of what the end result of an abortion is. But as a friend of mine says, if you can't look at that, then why are you supporting it? It doesn't use the picture of a baby in the womb, and it doesn't use the smiling picture of a born baby. No, it simply uses words. Use your words, Danica. I guess that's too much for people. And so in this follow-up story by Lucy Shulu, Sholey? Lucy Sholey at Metro, published today. It says, OC Transpos heard complaints about a controversial new anti-abortion ad spotted on city buses, but the Transit Authority isn't likely to change its advertising policy anytime soon. This is, an ab- this is about shutting down the ability of groups to speak. If you want to take issue with it, you have to ask, does this ad violate any kind of advertising standard? No, how could it? Well, it says abortion stops a beating heart. Yes, it does, because that's true. Action Life is a local, respected group. But this is about the same uh, instinct as those people that were at Donald Trump's rally on Friday night, stopping him from speaking and stopping his supporters from listening to him. It is about shutting down the ability of the side that you don't want to hear from. If you cannot beat them with words, beat them with policy, beat them with violence, beat them with your fists, it's all the same instinct. Shut down your enemy. Don't let them speak. This is what I mean when I say that we don't believe in freedom of speech anymore. Free speech for me, but not for thee. I invite these women to call in. You want to call in? I'll put you on air right away. 521-TALK, 521-8255. But only if you're the women that have been complaining about this and claiming it's controversial. Or only if you're the women that are writing these so-called stories and claiming it's controversial. Maybe we'll go to the phone lines for everyone else at the end of this. But if you call in, if you're one of these women, we'll put you on air. But you have to be willing to stand for free speech. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. I'm just watching a kid on CTV News Channel, 12-year-old kid from Quebec has been chosen as Toys R Us new toy tester in chief. Color me jealous. I worked at Toys R Us when I was uh, in my last year of high school. Grade 12, I think it was. Well, maybe not my last year of high school. I was in that grade 13 era. Yeah, I used to I spent uh, did a whole Christmas season there. It is insane at Toys R Us at Christmas, but a lot of fun. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I knew all the songs. 
This is the part of the program where we go through some news and talk about things that um, maybe get lost in it. We'll go through some headlines right now. Uh, Warren Levinson, I don't have any direct audio on this, so I want to play you a report from ABC News and Warren Levinson, or sorry, the Associated Press's Warren Levinson, at the United Nations, a place where our prime minister is going later this week to get another award because the U.N. is so freaking awesome. Right? Right? Do I hear an amen? No. Uh, So... Warren Levison is reporting on Iran and them having uh, been exposed for a ballistic missile launch and it's showing divisions in the U.N. Security Council. U.S. Ambassador Samantha Power says last week's Iranian ballistic missile tests, which the United States condemns as dangerous, destabilizing and provocative, were a clear violation of the resolution the Security Council adopted after the Iran nuclear deal was signed last year. Power says the U.S. will push the Council to do something about it, but she will face opposition from Russia. The resolution calls on Iran not to launch any missiles that could carry nuclear weapons. Russian Ambassador Vitaly Cherkin says a call is not a ban, and he doesn't think the Iranian missiles could carry nuclear weapons anyway. Warren Levinson, New York. I mean, we we don't think they can carry nuclear missiles, so, like, don't worry about it, man. Like, just chillax. I think that's what the Russian ambassador is saying. And, of course, we can trust the Russians. I mean, they're a great democracy, right? I mean, you've heard it. They're out there fighting that uh, ISIS guys in Syria, right? Right? They're doing the stuff that we want because Putin's tough. Oh, wait. No. Maybe not. Maybe the Russian troops are actually being taken back. Maybe Putin is calling them home. Yeah, that's what happened today. Now, I'm not sure what to make about this, but I'm not a cabinet minister. John McCallum, our immigration minister, is trying to look at it through the lens of sunny ways. Well, I think anything that can uh, heighten the odds of an end to the Civil War, heighten the odds of a reduction in the literally millions of people displaced by this terrible war. Anything that will do that is good, obviously. Uh, Whether this will be a materially positive development or not uh, remains to be seen. Anyway, um, it's a couple things to take from this. One, um, you can't trust Putin and the Russians. I mean, they said they were going in, in there to fight ISIS. We know that quite often they were just taking out the positions of American-backed rebel fighters that were taking on the Assad regime. Russia was there to back Assad, not to fight ISIS. When it comes to Iran and the deal with the UN over Iran's nuclear weapons, they're not there to back the Western world. Russia has its own sphere of influence, and that includes some shady dudes. People can complain about Western countries being too close to the, the House of Saud and for a long time, people like Mubarak in Egypt. But trust me, the Russian allies, worse. Worse. And so they're in bed with Tehran, and they're in bed with Assad. That's what to take away from this. The other thing to take away from John McCallum's comments, he hasn't a freaking clue. He's talking about, well, this will lessen the civil war. No, Russia wasn't in the civil war. Their claim was they were there to push back ISIS. He's applauding someone pulling back from claiming to be there to fight ISIS. Finally, just because I can and he doesn't get enough attention, Ted Cruz. I want to play some Ted Cruz. 
because we can't be all about Trump all the time. We'll get to Trump later on in the program. But, well, we're kind of getting to to Trump here because Ted Cruz is criticizing Donald Trump for donations he made to Chicago Democrats. Some of the most corrupt Democrats in the United States of America come from Cook County in Chicago. How do I know that? Because they end up going to jail. Yeah, check out how many Chicago governors go to jail. There's a lot, or sorry, Illinois governors and Chicago mayors go to jail. There's been a lot of them. Well, Ted Cruz is pointing out just ahead of the Illinois primary, Donald Trump's been giving them a lot of money. There is only one campaign that can beat Donald Trump and that has beaten Donald Trump over and over and over again. And so if you were thinking of supporting a Rubio or a Casey, I would invite you to join us. Yeah, and he's also the only campaign that could win that hasn't donated to Chicago Democrats or New York Democrats or Nevada Democrats or Arizona Democrats over and over and over again. We'll get into more about Donald Trump and uh, the fight around Breitbart, Trump, Bart, the shutdown of free speech. I I find myself in the odd position today of both taking on Donald Trump and defending him because, as I said earlier, and we'll get into more of this later, the fact is the man was shut down when he shouldn't have been on Friday. We'll see if more rallies are being shut down. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but there are worrying signs elsewhere. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on Newstalk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Do you remember in the um, the election campaign that we had a little while ago that there was a warning of, hey, you know, you vote the wrong way and we're going to have Heroin injection sites across the country. Now, maybe they use the term safe injection sites. I prefer the term heroin injection sites because that's what they are. Because there is nothing safe about heroin. There's no safe way to shoot heroin. Maybe you can say it's slightly safer to use a clean needle. Maybe you can use a, say it's slightly safer to uh, do it with an nurse around. But there is no safe way to shoot smack into your arm or between your toes or behind your ears or however you want to do it. There's no safe way to shoot heroin. I'm going to mention this band again. I mentioned them last week. Yeah, I I always have weird musical references. The Forgotten Rebels may have made heroin sound cool with surfing on heroin, but guess what? Heroin's not cool, kids. It's just not. Heroin, not good. Smack is whack. Don't do it. So in the last election, because of the insight decision and because of the viewpoints of the two progressive parties, the liberals and the new Democrats, the conservatives said, look, forget about legalizing pot. You're going to end up with these heroin injection sites in your neighborhood. And the liberals, (laughs) no. And um, the liberal media, which is pretty much all the media. (laughs) <laughs> no. Okay. 
Story out today. The Sandy Hill Community Health Center, they're planning one of these on Nelson Street in Ottawa. It's a five-minute walk from where I am. Did the people of Sandy Hill vote for this? No. Guess what? They're not alone. They're opening up several more in Vancouver. And then down in Toronto, they're looking at three different locations. Queen and Broadview, Yon and Dundas Square, right in the middle of downtown, Yon and Dundas Square. And so you've got people out there advocating for this. I'm going to play you this bit of audio from our friends and uh, sister station 1010, News Talk 1010, CFRB in Toronto. It's from a guy named Jeff who says he's a former user and he was able to get clean, but he didn't get clean by going to a, a safe injection site. He got clean because the staff helped him. The, the community leaders and community members and the businesses, they need not be afraid of this. They need to get on board with this and, uh, and help it move forward because we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to take, take people away from sleeping in front of their stores. How can they not be on board with that, right? It just seems so, so forward and progressive thinking. Forward and progressive thinking. I'll tell you what else was progressive thinking, lobotomies. That was the best progressive thinking of the day. Forced sterilizations, that was the best progressive thinking of the day. Eugenics, that was the best progressive thinking of the day. Excuse me if I have a bit of a sore spot when people say, well, it's the best progressive thinking. We could go down a big, deep rabbit hole with that, my friends. Progressive thinking is normally not what's best for people. Progressive thinking is normally what's best for some expert who has a theory that is going to be tried out on the people. Don't let them hide. How's that grab you? Well, up for taking that now? No. (sighs) Jeff talks about how you don't have to be worried about uh, people sleeping in front of your stores. This will take them away from it. It's great. I've interviewed addicts several times on this issue, and I'll grant you, there's a mixed view. Unfortunately, when it comes to many of the peer-reviewed papers, it tends to be the same people peer-reviewing each other's papers. There is an industry, a circular industry, of people that say safe injection sites are good, and they all back each other up. And so, Bob, I got a new paper out. You're going to back me, Bob? Yep, okay, so uh, Bob backs me. I back Bob. Sally backs both of us. And it goes around like that. But when it comes to how it actually impacts people, I went out and I interviewed an addict several years ago at Harvest House, which is in the south end of Ottawa. It is an addiction treatment center that takes no government money, and they do not believe in harm reduction because they do not believe it works. But their success rate speaks for itself. This is a place that will get you off drugs and put you back on the path to being a functioning member of society. And so if you want a charity to support in Ottawa, I urge you to get behind somewhere like Harvest House. So I interviewed this addict, a recovering addict. I can't even remember his name, but he'd been clean for a while. And I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but this is going back more than a decade. He used to go to the methadone clinic. He was addicted to heroin. And they brought out methadone, another form of harm reduction. And 
there's supposed to be all these safeguards. You know what he told me they would do? They would find a way to get their methadone and then shoot the heroin into themselves because they got a, an extra kick out of it. He tried harm reduction time and time again, and it didn't work. It didn't work, and then someone talked to him. He hit rock bottom, and someone talked to him, and they got him into an actual treatment center. People think that if you don't believe in harm reduction, and, and I think even that is a bad euphemism. It is not harm reduction. It is aiding and abetting an addict. I've dealt with addicts. Many of us have, and we can have different viewpoints. But don't think just because I disagree with the issue of harm reduction, and I don't think that Sandy Hill or Queen and Broadview in Toronto or the Lower East Side where I've walked through in the depths of night when the the people that you don't see except in the depths of night are out. Don't think that that means I want these people to die because that's what will get thrown at me. Well, why are you against that? You want people to die. No, I want them to get help. I think that we should be investing more money in treatment centers. I think we should be investing more money in treatment programs. But I do not see how aiding and abetting someone in their addiction is going to help in the long term. We've had one test case insight in Vancouver. It was going to be shut down by the federal government, but the wise members of the Supreme Court decided that, no, it had to stay. They decided that they knew better than the elected officials. One of the studies that they used to say that Insight was working used such a restricted set of criteria that they were able to say, oh, yeah, yep, absolutely, we've got... um, We've got overdoses down. We've got them way down. Well, they just kind of drew a nice little circle around and said, we'll only measure overdoses within this vicinity. What about overdoses outside? We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to get into that. It works. Look. Look at our data. Your data suspect. Don't look at... No, it, They were like the Wizard of Oz. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. There is a problem with addictions, and believe it or not, Ottawa is apparently one of the places where things like heroin, cocaine, and some of the worst drugs are heavily abused. The answer isn't to give people more of what they're addicted to. The answer is to get them off of it, whether we're talking about alcohol, heroin, cocaine, or any of it. You were told in the last election, you vote the wrong way, you'll end up with one of these in your neighborhood. The media and the progressives laughed. What's happening now? I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA.
I want you to do me a favor when you stop dancing. I want you to do me a favor. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly or Twitter and share with your family and friends my posting on how to listen live. Let people know that they can listen to this show. I, I, I hear from people, whether they're across the country, and we have people from across the country listening, or people that are in Ottawa, but they, the radio doesn't work in their house, or they can't get a good signal, or you know, you live in the outlying areas, we power down at night. Well, let them know they can listen online. It is a fantastic way. The link's up there. It's easy. It's fast. It works. And... There's some great apps, whether you're on iPhone or Android for um, either your smartphone or your tablet. You can download the Bell Media talk radio app and listen live. Listen online and share it. By the way, if you do go over to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, you will find out that it hit, hit a couple of milestones over the weekend. Went over 15,000 Facebook likes. Thank you. Thank you. Can we get some applause, Stephen? Okay, that's me doing my own applause. And uh, the other one is um, we had 100,000 listens of the Brian Lilly podcast. So this is a culmination of both this show and when I've been filling in on CFRA and my own podcast. So 100,000 listens. Hit that this morning. So thank you very much for all of your help and your support. The applause is for you, my friends. The applause is for you. Try and bring you an interview that was aired elsewhere on News Talk 580 CFRA elsewhere in the day and bring it back to you. As you know, we've had five murders so far, which for Ottawa this time of year, we haven't even hit St. Patrick's Day and we're at five murders. That's a lot. An increase in the number of shootings. We thought we were going to hit a record number of shootings by the end of 2015. We just skirted that, thankfully. I guess the um, the gangsters were taking some downtime. But Ottawa Police Chief Charles Bordalo was obviously taking this seriously. He heard from Councillor Tim Turney last week, who represents an area where three murders have happened in the last year, and that's Ogilvy and Jasmine Crescent. But he's also heard an awful lot from the public. He released a letter today, or it was slipped out to the public, and Evan Solomon sat down, had a chat with Chief Bordalo about this issue on Ottawa Now. Why did you feel the need to release this letter today? Well, there's a lot of great work that's going on on the street by our patrol officers, our neighborhood officers, our investigators, and I'm convinced that the people, individuals responsible for these uh, recent homicides will be held accountable. Uh, but I think there's a, there's a trend that we're seeing that's, that's concerning to us as far as the escalation of violence involving uh, young men. And that's a conversation that I think we need to have and build on in our community. Uh, these young men who are not necessarily involved in gang activity but are involved in, in, in street-level crimes, pretty, predominantly around drug trafficking, are getting involved uh, in, in violence and extreme violence to resolve some very minor conflict that has taken place. And I think that's a conversation that the broader community needs to have to try to better understand that and to see how can we, as a, as a community, uh, implement the right strategies to try and, and deal with those intervening and prevent these young men from becoming involved in these extreme acts of violence uh, so soon uh, during, when they're dealing with conflict. When you and I spoke last week after your meeting with Eli Alshantiri and Councillor Tierney, uh, you said that you'll continue the existing 
uh, work that the police are doing in, in communities like around Jasmine Crescent. Uh, it seems now that you're going to make some changes, that you want to make some changes. What new uh, activities, what new strategies will the police deploy? Well, I think from, from the, the with respect to Jasmine, you know, we're, we've increased our patrols. Uh, we've increased the, the community interactions. I was actually out there with our patrol officers this afternoon visiting that community and talking to uh, the property managers of, of the, some of the buildings and having that discussion. So there's going to be an increase in presence to, to reassure the community that we are out there. Uh, we're working with Councillor Tierney's office as far as having a, a, a leaders meeting to see what we can do specifically to, uh, to help uh, deal with the uh, the incidents on Jasmine. We're also encouraging those individuals who have accessed information uh, around uh, this recent homicide uh, to provide that information either through Crime Stoppers or the police service. Uh, we've resolved two of the homicides uh, that have tragically happened on Jasmine in the in the past year. And again, I'm confident that we'll we'll uh, we'll identify those responsible for this one here. But the the broader conversation that needs to take place is around uh, our young men. Uh, becoming violence, uh, involved in violence uh, uh, very early and escalating into using using arm, uh, firearms or, or knives and resulting in, in these, some of these tragedies that we've seen on our, in our community over the past year. Well, let's talk about how that you, you will deal with it. I'm speaking with Chief Charles Bordlaw. You've got 11 traffic patrol officers on the sidelines now. You're doubling the guns and gangs, which I appreciate. How does this impact other areas of your policing? Well, we don't have 11 traffic officers on the sideline, Evan. What we do have is a, is, is a number of officers that are reassigned administratively from different areas of the police service as a result of an investigation we're doing. Okay. Uh, we have temporarily reassigned uh, uh, last year uh, some officers to our Guns and Gangs unit to help them deal with the surge and the investigative capacity as well. What I'm committing as well is that uh, we will uh, double that unit uh, on a permanent basis to deal with either our, our direct action response team or the actual investigations because we don't see that need uh, uh, stemming in, a, in the short term. So we need that investigative capacity to do the proactive work, but also the investigative work. And, that, that and I get that, but does that have an impact on other areas? Uh, well, we're adding 25 officers to the budget in 2016. We received approval uh, last year to augment by 25 officers, our complement. So that doubling of the unit will come from uh, the addition of those uh, 25, 25 officers, and that, that will uh, take place over the course of this year. But we've, we've re- remained, uh, we've, we've uh, kept the temporary assignments to that unit in order to help them deal with the surge of, of investigations that they have. All right. In the last sort of 40 seconds I've got with you, you say that you're modeling some of this on work that police have done in Halifax. What will people notice right away? What what different? Well, you know, I think what what we're doing is we're providing an example of of what Halifax has done, Project Ceasefire, where they've targeted young men that are involved in violence. What I'm suggesting is we bring the agencies that are experts in our community that deal with young people, uh, whether it's the Users Bureau, Crime Prevention Auto, or John Howard Society, to bring them to the table to have that conversation to see what kind of solutions can we bring to Ottawa that will help deal with that, the longer-term issues around young men getting themselves involved in violence and resolving conflict by using knives and, and firearms. We need, to, we need to stem that, and we need to better understand why that is happening. And bringing those partners to the table will, be in a better posi- will put us in a better position as a community uh, to engage in those types of conversations. This isn't just a police issue. This is a broader right. community issue, and we're taking a leadership role at the Auto Police Service to bring those people to the table to have that conversation. Charles Bordelow, Ottawa Police Chief. Great to have you on the program, Chief. Thanks so much. My pleasure.
All right, we'll see if that works out over the next little while. It is a tough nut to crack. At the end of the day, people have to be willing to stand up for their own neighborhood. They have to be willing to stand up and say, we've had enough and we're going to speak out. Can that be difficult? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. I come from a town where uh, people don't talk because snitches get stitches. I come from a town where the mafia is quite prominent. But if they're messing up in your own backyard, you have a choice. And that is to stand up and chase them out or sit down and let them rule your life. I don't think we're talking about the mafia here. I think that we're talking about thugs. I think we're talking about street crime. So there are choices that people can make. And they don't have to think that they need to move to Montana and live out the rest of their lives under an assumed name. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the issue of Donald Trump. He's canceled rallies in uh, rally in Chicago, the ongoing problem of violence, but also what's happening to the conservative movement south of the border as there is a splinter going on. Ben Shapiro and four others out at an organization called Breitbart.com, one of the fastest-growing, most popular conservative news websites in the United States of America. And Shapiro's out. There's a fight going on. It involves Trump. We'll talk a little bit about that after the break. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I planned on talking about Donald Trump and American politics when we came back, but um, something's just been brought to my attention that I want to talk about. So get to Trump, we'll get to Breitbart, all of that in a moment. Right now, I want to let you know about a story that, uh, for the most part, is still breaking. Because most of the news media are just figuring out what's going on. And it's happening down in Toronto, where police are probing a possible terror link after a double stabbing at a Canadian Armed Forces Recruitment Centre. This happened this afternoon. Uh, Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders was out with a statement earlier today, uh, this evening, and describes what happened at about 3.30 Monday afternoon. A lone male walked into this location, attended the Canadian Forces Recruitment Centre, at this time in an unprovoked manner, produced a knife, and attacked the person behind the counter that was in full uniform. This male then proceeded to walk towards the rear where other employees in uniform were. At this time, through the training of the Canadian Forces members, they were able to subdue the male, but in the process, another male was stabbed. All right, so both men that are stabbed are facing non-life-threatening injuries. But as you heard the police chief in Toronto, Mark Saunders, described, Guy walks into a recruitment center. Uh, From what I can tell, this is at about the uh, 4900 block of Young Street. So we're in the north part of Young Street. If you know Toronto well, it's um, up towards uh, north of Shepherd Avenue. 
Okay. Guy walks in, unprovoked, pulls a knife out, stabs one guy, starts going towards the back to stab other people. As they're subduing him, a second man is stabbed. Thankfully, they were able to subdue him, and nothing else was, um, you know, there were no serious injuries that occurred at the scene. But this is still disturbing. What's more disturbing is the link that police are investigating. We've seen events happen before, and I know and you know that there is a terrorism angle, or at least a potential terrorism angle. And police are, no, 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 they won't talk about it. Police Chief Saunders this evening was very upfront in saying, yeah, yet we're looking into this terrorism angle. That is one of the angles that we are strongly looking at at this point in time. We don't have a clear understanding for what the motivation is, but I can say that a male 27-year-old uh, person was, in fact, apprehended and right now is in the hospital for medical clearance before the investigation uh, will be further uh, initiated. Uh, the chief went on to later say that, look, there were certain things that were said, certain comments made that lead them to this suspicion that make them think that there might be uh, terrorism-related links in this. But he says he wants to have a fuller understanding of what those are. So I can understand that. I can understand him this early in an investigation. I mean, this happened at 3.30, so we're less than five hours into this. He only started speaking to the media within the last hour or so. Uh, I can understand him not wanting to say exactly the comments that were heard. But at least he is willing to say, comments were made. This is what we're told he said. There is enough to say that there is suspicion. Now, there were um, between, we're told, six and eight soldiers. Why they can't say six or eight, I don't know. But we're told between six and eight soldiers were in the Armed Forces Recruiting Center. And again, this is on Young Street. Hard of Toronto, in the north end, up north of uh, Shepherd, 4900 Young Street, the, uh, the site of the, um, the stabbing. But six to eight soldiers inside, he stabbed one at the front door, walked towards the back, started, um, was looking to stab others. The soldiers on site were able to subdue him, and the suspect is currently in hospital. Probably lucky that he's in hospital, given that he had six to eight soldiers in there, and he had stabbed one of their colleagues. So he's in custody in hospital. Toronto police say that they have contacted CSIS and other police forces about what happened, and they're also looking for people to contact Crime Stoppers. I don't expect anyone in this listening audience to be contacting Crime Stoppers about what's going on, but you never know. We'll continue to follow this on uh, on CFRA, and I'm sure that you'll be hearing lots about it in the news over the coming hours and tomorrow as more information comes out. But two soldiers, non-life-threatening injuries, stabbing at a Canadian Armed Forces Recruitment Centre in Toronto right around Young and Shepherd earlier today. We'll get to American politics, what's happening south of the border next. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA.
Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. And please do join that resistance on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure if you go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, you click the like button, the thumbs up, get my feed in yours, and then share the stories, share the podcast, share share the material that others aren't going to tell you or the viewpoint that you're not going to get anywhere else. Same on Twitter, twitter.com slash Brian Lilly. I try and make it easy for you, folks. I really do. And thank you again for helping me hit two milestones. I know the CFRA Nation is a big part of this. The two milestones I hit this past weekend, well, one was the weekend, one was admittedly early this morning, 15,000 Facebook likes, and then on the other side, 100,000 listens on the podcast. And that's only going to grow. Now that I'm back to being regular, posting it every night, so if you miss a show, You can download it. You can subscribe in iTunes. It's just been added on Google Play. So if you're on Android, the podcast is now in Google Play. I'm waiting uh, for word back from Stitcher and other podcast uh, places. So if you miss hearing something, you can get it later. You can download it. Just listen to the parts you like. You know, sometimes we got a good segment. I'm going to tweet that out. In fact, I should be tweeting out segments from last week with uh, Patrick Moore talking about carbon. I'm watching Patrick Brown, the Ontario PC leader, talking about how he he wants to see a price on carbon. Patrick Moore, the actual scientist with the PhD in ecology, says, we don't need to worry about that. Which Patrick do you want to listen to? By the way, the petition is nocarbontax.ca if you want to help persuade the leader of Ontario's PC party that He's in the wrong. NoCarbonTax.ca. Donald Trump was shut down on Friday night. And since then, he's been under attack. And this puts me in an unfortunate position because I have to defend Donald Trump, something I'm not fond of doing. I agree with the late, great Andrew Breitbart. Donald Trump's not a conservative. He was for Nancy Pelosi before he was against Nancy Pelosi. This is a man who uh, was for gun control before he was against it, and he's still kind of for it, but not fully for it. On, on all these different litmus tests that conservatives tend to have in the United States, Donald Trump fails time and again, but he continues to lead because people think he tells it like it is. He doesn't. That's another story. But I still believe that this man has the right to speak. I believe that everyone has the right to speak, to hold their political rallies without being shut down with the threat of mob violence. But on Friday, he went to Chicago, a town I love so well. Got family all around the Chicago area. Schomburg, Elgin. One day, you know, it's been more than a decade. One day I will have to get back down there and maybe see some of them. Um, But it's, you know, it's like my mom's cousins, that whole area. And we used to go down for soccer tournaments. So I know the area pretty well. And I also am a student of politics, so I know that this is one of the most corrupt areas for politics. You want to hear John Robson tell a good story? Uh, You ask him about the election where JFK won. JFK won by stealing the election, but he only did it by stealing better than the other guy. The way Robson tells it, Robson has a Ph.D. in American history, lectures in it at the University of Ottawa and elsewhere. 
Cook County and some counties in Texas had incredible voter turnout. Cook County being where Chicago is, where a good chunk of the mob has been located for the greater part of a century. So this is a corrupt area. It is also home to a lot of left-wing activist politics. It is the birthplace of the Alinsky-type movement, which is what Barack Obama was steeped in. You don't attack the person's position, you attack them personally. Saul Alinsky, who wrote the book Rules for Radicals, dedicated it to Lucifer and talked about how he wanted to um, organize the downtrodden in hell because they were his kind of people. So it's no surprise that Donald Trump tries to hold a rally in Chicago and far-left protesters shut it down with both real violence and the threat of violence. Here's Trump defending himself. One in particular, vicious, swinging. Well, guess what happened? Our people started swinging back. The next day, we were the bad ones, and it was like this innocent guy, and I was standing up here watching. He had a voice like Pavarotti, but he was hitting people. And when we hit back, we're the bad ones. Always we're the bad ones. At the far-left website democracynow.org, Amy Goodman, an activist and... um, activist journalist of sorts, I'll grant her that, she interviewed people that were participating in this, that were participating in the anti-Trump rally. She spoke to a woman named Amelia Palares, professor of political science, Latin American and Latino studies, an advisor with Fearless Undocumented Alliance, a student organization at uh, the UIC, Uh, that helped organize and participate in the Trump protest. She also spoke with Yasmin Elaga, a sophomore at the University of Illinois at Chicago. UIC is University of Illinois at Chicago. This young woman is a major in political science and urban studies and president of the Palestine uh, Children's Relief Fund, a student organization at UIC, and one of the organizers of the anti-Trump rally. These were far-left radicals that were organizing against Trump. This was not some spontaneous outburst of, well, Donald Trump had violent rhetoric. Donald Trump, well, I mean, he said stuff, and that just got people so worked up. I mean, so like fists were flying. No. This was an organized attempt to shut down political speech. And where has the media been on this? They have been blaming Trump. Who does that? Well, Donald Trump does that. See, back when Pamela Geller organized the Dra Muhammad event in Texas, maybe you remember that couple of jihadis showed up from California to shoot up an event in, was it Lubbock, Texas? Either way, she was in Texas holding an event where people were invited to come and draw cartoons of Muhammad. Because she said we should not be living in a secular society. We should not be living according to other people's rules. Well, when Pamela Geller held that event and it was attacked by jihadis, Donald Trump actually went on television. He went on Fox News. He went on MSNBC. He went elsewhere. And he blamed Pamela Geller for the violence. Well, what does she think is going to happen? What are you doing drawing Muhammad? Don't you have something better to do? Hmm. If you don't believe me, 
You can look it up on Twitter. I tweeted, I sent it out in a tweet earlier today. And it's video after video of Trump attacking someone for exercising their free speech. But now he's worried about his free speech, and he should be. And I will defend Donald Trump's free speech, even though he's been an idiot on this issue in the past. Even though he has said he would curtail other, for Americans, First Amendment rights, such as uh, the the right for uh, Congress shall make no laws concerning the practice of or free exercise of religion. He would do away with that. He would do away with peaceful assembly. These are his words, not mine. So this is a man that doesn't believe in the First Amendment for others, but wants it for himself. But he is being shut down unfairly. But the media only actually blames you if you have a certain political point of view, meaning one that they disagree with, one that does not go with their progressive narrative, one that does not go with their liberal point of view. I've been asked by all kinds of people, Brian, how should I deal with the media? And I'm upfront with you, and I've been open about this for a long time. I don't give advice in private to an organization that I would not give publicly. Always assume that the journalist you're sitting across from is a communist until they prove otherwise. Always assume that they are far-left radical. Maybe you'll find out that they're only slightly left-wing, and maybe you'll find out that they're neutral and they're not opposed to conservatives. But the best course of action for anybody that is even slightly conservative is to assume that the journalist across from them is a communist who hates them. It's the safest course of action. Because you're more likely to find a communist or a socialist working in the media than you are a conservative. That is a simple fact. I've worked across most of the major media news organizations in the country. I've worked in radio, in print, in television. I've been a member of the Parliamentary Press Gallery for 11 years. I think I know what I'm speaking of at this point. That doesn't mean they're all communists. It just means you're more likely to find one than a conservative. So why are they holding Trump to a different standard? Why are they blaming Trump? Because they oppose him. If this were right-wing people that had showed up and tried to disrupt a Hillary Clinton rally or a Bernie Sanders rally or in Canada a Justin Trudeau event or a Tom Mulcair event, you know how this would play out. The protesters would be the ones that would be facing the criticism. Instead, in this case, it's the politician trying to exercise their right to free speech. It is the crowd trying to sit in peaceful assembly and listen. But they're shut down by people following the godfather of community organizing in Chicago, Saul Alinsky, and his tactics of disrupt. By the way, Hillary Clinton wrote her paper, her master's thesis, I believe it was, on Saul Alinsky. That's right. She's a red diaper baby from way back. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are far scarier than Donald Trump. But don't worry, the media is going to keep you on Donald Trump. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll talk about problems on the right when we come back.
he's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So Donald Trump's being investigated for incitement to riot because one guy punched another guy at a Trump rally. Who incited the riot in Chicago? And again, I really hate defending Donald Trump. I do stand with the late, great Andrew Breitbart, who said Donald Trump was not a conservative. But why is it okay for people to go in and violently shut down Donald Trump's rally? But one guy punches another guy at another rally in North Carolina and nothing happens? Oh, wait, sorry. No, something did happen. The old guy that punched the other guy. Oh, wait, the guy in custody who was being escorted out by police for disrupting everything and being violent himself. He got punched. He's black. The other guy's white. So there's going to be a charge. I get race is a complicated issue in the States. I really wish it wasn't so complicated. But why can a bunch of people show up, black, white, brown, and everything in between, and disrupt a rally of people that are black, white, brown, and everything in between. I'm going to have to one day go to a Trump rally, because unfortunately I think he will be the Republican nominee, although there's a good chance he could be stopped by Ted Cruz. But, you know, we kept hearing when Rob Ford was mayor of Toronto that it was just old, angry white guys that backed him. I was just old, angry suburban Toronto bunch of white guys, bunch of old, angry white guys. They don't, they don't like, you know, metropolitan Toronto. Hmm. I was on election night, municipal election night 2014. I wasn't here in Ottawa. I was down at Ford headquarters. You have never seen such a diverse group of people in your life. Met one of them during the Ontario PC convention the woman that I'd met at Trump, at uh, Ford headquarters that night, originally from Pakistan, backed Rob and Doug Ford to the hilt. Don't believe the media hype. Now, one thing the media isn't hyping up, at least not enough, is the fact that there's a meltdown on the right. I opened the show by talking about how people do not respect free speech, left, right, or center anymore. It doesn't matter. And I gave you the examples of the radical left shutting down Trump in Chicago on Friday night. And, you know, after nine, top of the third hour, you want to call in and argue with me about that and say it was Trump. You want to say it was somebody else. You want to claim it was Martians. That's fine. I've got almost 20 years experience of going to riots and knowing who starts them. From the Summit of the Americas in Quebec City, to G20 riots in Montreal and Toronto, to riots when George Bush showed up here. I speak from experience on this. From being the reporter on the front line, coughing through tear gas and reporting live on the radio as it happens. So I'll put what my experience up against whatever you got, if you want to disagree with me. But people don't believe in free speech. From the lefties that shut down Trump 
to the activists that are offended that someone somewhere says something bad about abortion, apparently we should just celebrate abortion, to the fact that on the right, in some circles, you cannot disagree with Donald Trump. And if you do, they're going to shut you down. Even within the media, you will be shut down. I know people that are speaking out against Donald Trump, and I happen to be one of them. And I also know that there are others that are biting their tongue because they know it's bad for business to say anything about Trump. To say anything other than, he is excellent. He is amazing. An organization that I've written for in the past is Breitbart.com. And I won't walk away from that. I won't say, I won't take that down and say, oh, I've never, I've never written for them. Because when I wrote for them, it was when they were still a going concern. And I hope that they come back. I hope that they're able to turn it around because I know most of the people involved down there. Breitbart is part of the new media. It's one of the organizations that when we were starting up the Rebel, I was like, yeah, those guys know what's going on. Breitbart, The Blaze, now Independent Journal. We had Benny Johnson from Independent Journal on the show last week. But Breitbart has decided that they would rather back Trump than one of their own reporters. And so this young woman, Michelle Fields, who has not been anti-Trump in the least, ended up at a Trump event about a week ago, and she was grabbed by one of Trump's own people. Now, yes, there's some controversy around that because some say, oh, no, she wasn't grabbed. We've seen it. Look, I've seen the video. She was grabbed. Was she almost thrown to the ground, as some claimed? No. But Michelle Fields was grabbed. I've interviewed Michelle Fields several times. Never been overly impressed. I'll admit, I'm not friends with her. I wouldn't, wouldn't even say I know her. But she is that type of Republican that would be on board with Donald Trump. And Breitbart has been very friendly to Trump. But they're throwing their own reporter under the bus rather than do what they would do if this were Hillary Clinton. And that needs to be called out. Because we can't say that we are better than the other side if when someone that's supposedly on our side does something, we ignore it. If Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, Robbie Mook, had grabbed a reporter, a female reporter, Robbie Mook, by the way, is a man, if he had grabbed a female reporter hard enough to bruise her because that reporter was trying to ask Hillary a question, how do you think the right-wing media would react? They would be up in arms. Strangely, the left-wing media is not going to town on this Michelle Fields story. I think because they want Trump to be the candidate because they think Hillary can beat Donald Trump. But they should be going at this harder, and so, so should everyone. But Trump, or Breitbart decided that they would actually run stories attacking their own reporter, who initially did not put this out there. Other people saw it. Other people wrote about it. Other people were talking about it before she posted her own story on Breitbart saying what had happened. You've got a campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, a campaign manager for a presidential candidate accused of grabbing a woman so hard that her arm is bruised. The pictures are out there for everyone to see on the Internet. They are there. 
you Google Michelle Fields and bruises, you'll find them. There is video of her clearly being stopped as Corey Lewandowski passes her. Did he almost throw it to the floor? Again, no. But he did grab her, and that is obvious. Ben Shapiro, a man that I have known for many years now, a man that helped introduce me to Andrew Breitbart back in 2011, has resigned as editor-at-large for Breitbart. Michelle Fields has resigned as a reporter. The spokesman for the company has quit. And today, another editor and their national security reporter quit because this news organization has decided that they would rather back a candidate than to deal with the truth. I guarantee you that if there was evidence that Stephen Harper, in the last federal election here in Canada, if there was evidence that Stephen Harper's campaign manager had grabbed someone and physically hurt them, you can be sure that I would be speaking out against that person. Now, would it make me say, oh, I'll never vote for Stephen Harper? No, it was the person that did it. That person should have been called out. That person should have been chastised, maybe even fired. That's what we would all be calling for if it was someone on the left doing this to a reporter. Now, Trump has said this didn't happen. His campaign manager said it didn't happen, and yet text messages exist between Corey Lewandowski, who's Trump's campaign manager, and another reporter at Breitbart named Matthew Boyle, discussing how they want to make sure this doesn't become a big thing. And if I'd known it was someone from Breitbart, I wouldn't have let it happen because he knows he's going to get favorable coverage. In fact, it's so bad that their nickname is now Trump Bart. If you cannot trust a media outlet to report fairly on what's happening on your side, you cannot trust them at all. And this is frightening. And I hope that Joel Pollack and Alex Marlowe and Larry Solov and all the guys down there figure things out over the next little while and get their house in order. But you can be sure that as we look to our own leadership race here in Canada for the Conservative Party, that I won't be pulling punches as I interview each and every one of them. If I decide that I'm on board with somebody, absolutely. I'll let you know up front. But I'm not going to hide news because I want to throw the race for one candidate or another. That is simply wrong, regardless of who it is, regardless of party. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I don't know if you saw it this morning, but Preston Manning 
actually had a uh, an op-ed in the Globe and Mail today that calls Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Selfie, was it Benny called him last week on the show, the Disney Prince? Um, he, he refers to Justin Trudeau as the best prime minister the United States has ever had. So bear with me as I go through Preston's musings here in the old mop and pail. Manning writes, suppose we had intercepted a confidential briefing memo to the President of the United States from a State Department operative based in Ottawa on preparing for Justin Trudeau's Washington visit. It might have read something like this. Mr. President, once you meet Justin Trudeau personally, I'm sure you will agree with our assessment that this is the best Canadian Prime Minister the United States has ever had. In many respects, he epitomizes the it's all about me generation and its self-expression and promotion via social media. So let's like him on Facebook, follow him on Twitter, and while we're at it, why not a selfie? By catering for a day or two to Mr. Trudeau's desire for personal attention and aggrandizement, we can safely ignore conceding anything of substance on Canada-U.S. issues and more easily and cheaply advance our own interest in those areas. As we suggested, give Mr. Trudeau and his groupies a state dinner with all the trimmings, and they'll forget about seriously lobbying for that pipeline his predecessors Uh, kept insisting we approve. However, we do need to be careful how we deal with the Trudeau administration on climate change issues. It is in Canada's interest to tie energy development and environmental protection together. They should be telling us that they will cooperate with us on more positive action to reduce greenhouse gas emissions only if we will increase our energy imports from Canadian sources. But it's in our interest to keep these issues separate. So let's continue to cater to Trudeau's desire to be seen as a good green fellow, by focusing his attention on continental environmental policy and keep dragging our feet on any continental energy agreement. It goes on and on to describe how Justin Trudeau's visit to Washington was beneficial to Washington, but not necessarily for Canada. Let me get to the refugee section. It says the refugee issue is also tricky, so let's make sure the Trudeau troop doesn't see any of those State Department memos putting the Canadian plan to bring 25,000-plus Syrian refugees into perspective. As you know, those memos will point out there are now almost 15 million persons displaced by the troubles in the Middle East, and there are hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees alone, and that Canada's token effort is but a tiny, tiny drop in a very large bucket. Have you thought about that? We've got a government that won't stop slapping itself on the back for bringing in 25,000 Syrian refugees. There have been millions of people displaced by the war in the Middle East. And we brought in 25,000. And we did it in such a way that they were rushed over here. And so the majority of them are government-assisted refugees rather than privately sponsored. Why does that matter? Well, to give you an example, government-sponsored refugees mean that the government is in charge of looking after them. The government is in charge of paying for their housing, paying for their food, paying for their welfare, their well-being for the first year. Whereas a government, or sorry, a privately sponsored refugee, it is a community group. It is a group of five It is a church group. It is a community organization that is responsible 
So my parish has sponsored a Syrian family. Guess who's responsible for everything related to their costs? It's not the government. But on the government side, it's the government, which means we are responsible. So when Justin Trudeau wants to meet an artificial deadline and an artificial quota and bring over 25000 very quickly, well, that just means that we're going to pay more. You and me, the taxpayers of Canada. Thus, we have hotels across the country still filled with Syrian refugees because we don't have housing for them. And so we're paying to keep them in hotels and paying $61 a day for every man, woman, and child to be fed, $244 for a family of four per day, $1,708 per week for a family of four. As I keep telling people, imagine what you could do with that money. Or imagine what the government could have done with that money if they decided that, hey, we can help Syrian refugees by bringing them over in a, a an orderly fashion. And then with that leftover money, imagine how many people we can help because we cannot bring everyone over from Syria. Imagine how many people we could help by paying for their upkeep in Syria. Because guess what? As even the immigration department officials will admit to you, as they've admitted to me, as, if they, as they have admitted to other members of the media, most of the people over there don't want to come here. And it's not because they have anything against Canada. It's because they love their country. It's because they love their homes. It's because they love their family, their extended family, and they don't want to break that up. They want the fighting to end and they want to go home. Which means most of them are going to stay in camps there. How much could $1,700 a week, how many people could that feed in a refugee camp in Jordan or Lebanon or Turkey? But don't worry. Trudeau's going to keep patting himself on the back, and most of the media are just going to keep congratulating him. Back to Preston Manning's imaginary letter of a State Department official to the president telling him that, Justin Trudeau is the greatest prime minister that the United States has ever had. So it goes on. It says, Mr. Trudeau is telling Canadians that he's going to Washington to advance Canadian positions on trade, security, border problems, the environment, and world peace. But all we need to do is fill his itinerary with the Vogue photo op, feel-good sessions with friendly media, and close encounters with our Hollywood allies and he'll have little time to do anything more than issue press releases on those subjects. As we say at the State Department, it is always easier and cheaper to appear to be addressing issues than it is to actually grapple with and resolve them. This approach appears to be completely compatible with the modus operandi of the Trudeau crowd. I don't know if you saw my colleague Ezra Levant's piece on the media lovin'. But he pointed to selfies being taken by reporters that were down there. These weren't photos that were going to be published in various media outlets. These were selfies of people with glee on their faces that they were standing near the likes of Michelle Obama and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. It was glee. It was pure joy. 
It was starstruck honest. That's unbecoming of any reporter that's going to cover a politician at that level. And were it people that were brand new in the job, I could forgive them. But unfortunately, it was, it seemed to be, a good chunk of the media uh, group that went down was just starstruck. And when you've been in the business as long as I have, as long as most of them have, you should be well over that. You get over being starstruck in this game pretty early in your career. There's no need for it. There's no reason for it to be happening. You should be over it and you should be willing to say, you know what? I just got to do my job. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. You know why I take a while to come in on these songs? Because I like listening to them too much. A little bit of Stone Roses, Fool's Gold. Brian Lilly, News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Beyond the News. And willing to take your calls. I'm going to tie a few of these stories together because that's what I do here on Beyond the News. It's, it's not just looking at news stories in isolation. But it's looking at trends. It's looking at what is happening in the wider context. And I invite you to call in. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. 1-800-580-2372 if you're calling in from out of town. Let me know what you think. I talked about the, the lack of appreciation for free speech several times throughout tonight. Talked about it at the top. And we can point to the lack of appreciation for free speech by the lefty thugs that shut down Donald Trump in his rally in Chicago. We can point to the lack of appreciation for free speech by those that are offended by just an ad made up of words. They're just words, not even pictures, just words. But it triggers them, and they feel bad on the issue of abortion. We can point to our own problems. On the right side of the spectrum with Breitbart, or is there becoming known Trumpbart, shutting down journalists that won't toe the line, even journalists that were towing the line that went, but, but hey, something happened here. But I also want to tie together a few other things. And I'm going to tie together Donald Trump, why he's rising. With the elections that just happened in Germany that were a smackdown for Angela Merkel and the stabbing that happened in Toronto. As you heard just after 8 o'clock, top of the second hour, man walks, a 27-year-old man walks into an armed forces recruiting center in Toronto, 4900 Young Street. That's just north of Shepherd, if you know the region at all. He stabs someone near the front desk. Then he starts walking to the back of the Canadian Armed Forces Recruitment Center. Still got the knife in his hand. 
they they can't tell us whether there were six or eight. They say six to eight soldiers were in there. And the rest of them subdued the 27-year-old man who's now in hospital and in police custody. He's lucky he's only in hospital. You walked into an armed forces recruitment center with a knife and started stabbing people. In the process of the soldiers taking him down, another soldier was stabbed. So two male soldiers stabbed. Non-life-threatening injuries to both of them. I want to play the clip of Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders because he's doing what far too many have been refusing to do for a long time. Where does your mind jump when you hear a 27-year-old man walks into an armed forces recruitment center and starts stabbing people? You think, uh, could it be terrorism? Maybe. Is it, it, you know, does this have to do with somebody upset that our soldiers have been fighting against ISIS? Does this have to do with terrorism? And you sit there and you wonder... And far too often, the police and the politicians will refuse to talk about issues like that. But kudos to Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders, who admits that things that the man said during the stabbing and his arrest lead them to think, eh, could be terrorism. That is one of the angles that we are strongly looking at at this point in time. We don't have a clear understanding for what the motivation is. But I can say that a male 27-year-old uh, person was, in fact, apprehended and right now is in the hospital for medical clearance before the investigation uh, will be further uh, initiated. All right. So Chief Saunders, he doesn't want to say too much more than that. And I get that. Early stages of investigation. But at least he's willing to admit. Yeah, we're we're looking at the terrorism angle. Yeah, some things were said. Okay. Good for you. Because far too often politicians want you to ignore what is in front of your lying eyes. And that is part of the reason that Donald Trump has been rising. In the United States, the closer you get to the southern border, whether you're talking about Florida, California, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, the more people get upset with issues like illegal immigration. And they can see it with their own eyes. And people that are pro-immigration will say immigration does not drive down wages. Let me tell you a difference between legal immigration and illegal immigration. With legal immigration, the immigrant has some protections. And so if you try and say you know what, I'm only going to pay you six bucks an hour to work. He can tell you where to go. He can tell you where to go and have recourse. But if you're an illegal immigrant, you got to feed your family. You have nowhere to go. So maybe you take that $6 an hour. Guess what? That drives down wages. Trump is talking about illegal immigration in a way that resonates with people. I do not believe he's the only one. Ted Cruz definitely is. John Kasich, no. He's talking about amnesty for everyone. And Marco Rubio has a mixed record. But Cruz and Trump are both talking about illegal immigration. But Trump is talking about it in such a plain way that it resonates with people. In Germany this past weekend, they had elections. And far-right parties that I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with yet I will read up more about them and find out. But like many people, I can be bothered by the fringes of the left and the right. People will say, Lily, Lily's just far right. You know what? The fringes can be scary on either side. 
the fact is Angela Merkel is getting smacked around because she told the German people not to believe their lying eyes after New Year's Eve, after women were sexually assaulted by roving gangs of migrants, not refugees, migrants. Because for the most part, what Europe is dealing with are not refugees. Europe is mostly dealing with economic migrants who have figured out that they can use the refugee crisis to move in there as economic migrants and get all kinds of benefits. Had Angela Merkel just spoken plainly and said, you know what, we do not accept this in Germany. We will not accept this. This is a problem. She wouldn't have faced what she did on the weekend. Toronto's police chief, Mark Saunders, is speaking plainly when he says terrorism is a problem here. Terrorism is something we're looking at. We need more of that from our elected officials and our appointed officials. Otherwise, you give ground to the people that you then turn around and say we're scared of. 521 Talk, 521 8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, 1 800 580 2372. Call in, let me have it from the left, from the right, from the middle. Tell me what you think. Freedom of speech, the issues of why certain people are rising. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Yeah, I'm chair dancing. Gonna put up my feet. <sighs> yep, that's the sound of my feet hitting the desk. Ready to take your calls. 521 Talk, 521 8255, Star 580. On Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-2372. And I've invited people from across the country to join in on the conversation as well via Facebook. Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly or Twitter.com slash Brian Lilly. If you're not following me, on, following me on those social media platforms, please do. And if you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. So, yeah, tomorrow night, maybe you got something good. Maybe it's... It's cheap Tuesday movie nights. Maybe you're out at a movie. Maybe you curl on a Tuesday. Maybe you want to take in some curling. Well, you can either through iTunes, Google Play, or other uh, other different apps. Subscribe to the podcast and keep up to what we're talking about. On Facebook, I posted earlier about this safe space uh, journalism at Metro where they're worried about um, anti-abortion ads on a bus and Corrine Corcoran writes in, I'm triggered by uh, one of those Concordia U ads on the bus that implies climate change will make our national game disappear. What a load of BS. I can't believe I have to read that lie most days on the bus. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580. Asking you a couple of specific questions. One, on the issue of free speech. Two, do you see the link between... The stabbing in Toronto, where a police chief, Mark Saunders, is not just a police spokesman. He's actually a police chief saying, yes, you know what? Yes, there is a possible link to terrorism. If we had plain spoken leaders like that on many other issues, then 
guys like Trump would not have the oxygen that they need. Trump is able to thrive because there is the reality, or in some cases just the perception, that our leaders don't care about these issues. In Germany, Angela Merkel has been telling people not to worry about the New Year's Eve mass rapes and sexual assaults that happened. Why do you think she got her butt handed to her in elections this past weekend? How long until events happen here? And I'm not talking about mass rapes. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But let's say that there are problems with an issue here. Let's say of integration. We saw that happen in Quebec where they were talking about Heruville. You remember Heruville. There's the small town in Quebec that said, no, you, you can't have separate swim times for men and women. We believe in equality. Well, the elites in this country stood up and howled. They just howled with contempt for the town of Heruville. And the fact is, if you actually read what Heruville said, it was in line with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It just was not written as if the faculty club were the people writing the document. Paul in Ottawa. Paul, you're on Beyond the News. Hey, Brian, how are you? Perfectly adequate tonight. Yourself? Tell you, my friend. I'm enjoying your show. Well, thank you. I got you on speakerphone because my phone's uh, not the best. Okay. We, um, we will make I, do. I'd like to go with topic number two, the chief of police for Toronto. Okay. Absolutely tremendous. Um, calling a spade a spade. And like you said, Brian, um, if other chief of police... Uh, would do the same and say, hey, it is an option. Get it out there on the table. Excellent. Well done. You know, he, he's not telling us details of the investigation yet, Paul. He's not okay. saying, well, the man said this or the man said that, but he is at least willing yep. to admit what far too often our minds jump to that, don't they? Yeah, but the fact that he had the backbone to at least put it on the table. Yeah. I mean, if the chief of police had come out and said, Absolutely not. We have no reason to believe this is uh, terrorism-related. I, I, I could take that. I could understand that. But also being able to say, you know, as opposed to wishy-washy, say, yes, we're looking at this because of things that have been said. Kudos to him. Yeah, and I kept number one for the end. Um, I'm a dual citizen. I was born in Ottawa, Canada. Lived in Florida the last eight years, had, um, I don't want to say the pleasure, but Governor Christ, Governor Bush, Governor Rubio, um, and I don't know how they can do their job if they're never at your desk. <laughs> but my question is, was I watched and, and watched it over and over again, the Chicago fiasco, mm -hmm. and I'm buying in, Brian, to what you're saying it's a sad day. Well, I don't care if it's Bernie Sanders or somebody that really planned it, that you can, you know, take someone's right for freedom of speech away. That is what concerns me. And, and you know, I, I don't think that Bernie Sanders sent his people down there. And I don't think that Hillary Clinton organized and sent her people down there. But do I believe that groups like moveon.org or Avaz, 
or any of the far-left community organizing groups that Barack Obama and the like have been associated with, that they encourage their people to go. MoveOn.org is fundraising off of Trump's canceled rally in Chicago. And Chicago is ground zero of progressive community organizing. And, and, and one of my concerns is I was born in Canada, so, but I'm saying, gee, do I want to go back? I mean, you know. We're, we're, uh, we're almost out of time, but where are you living now, Paul? You live in Ottawa or down I'm in the States? I'm in Ottawa. States? I'm on, yeah. Okay. Where'd you live in Florida? Um, Clearwater. Oh, beautiful space. My parents are in Largo right now. Yeah, I live in Clearwater, Largo. Yeah. Be- beautiful area, not too far from the beaches, a little bit inland, so yeah. you don't you don't always get the, you know, if the cold winds are blowing, it's yeah. beautiful there. I love your show. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Paul. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We will come back. More of your calls. We got Ray and Dave standing by, Chris in Kempville, Albert calling in from Thunder Bay. We'll get to all of your calls after uh, after we take a quick break here. Uh, but I, I do want to stress, if you want to call in, doesn't matter where you're calling in from across the continent, 1-800-580-2372 is the long-distance number. If you're local, it's 521-TALK, 521-8255. For Star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Talking to you about the issues of free speech. Do we believe in it anymore? We got people on the left trying to shut down Donald Trump. We got people on the right trying to shut down journalists that might be critical of him because they want to throw in the towel for him. We've got people trying to shut down abortion ads. That's the free speech angle then. Then we've got... Let me link together Trump and... A stabbing in Toronto and what happened in Germany. Why is Trump doing so well? Because people think, hey, this guy is finally freaking talking about what matters to me. And that's the issue of illegal immigration. And they're just used to politicians and officials not being willing to say anything on this issue. They're just so cowardice. They're so... They're like the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. They, they, they don't want to say anything. They don't want to offend anyone. They, they're worried about offending those girls who are, you know, bothered by seeing an ad that says something against abortion. Apparently, we should also always just cheerlead for that. So people are fed up. And so they back the likes of Trump. And then in Germany where they've been dealing with, in Cologne and elsewhere, issues of huge numbers of sexual assaults. Beginning on New Year's Eve, it was a widely reported story. It was so wide in the media. It was not left-wing media. It was not right-wing media. It was all the media saying, hey, wait a minute, we got a problem here. And no one would deal with the issue in German politics. And so a far-right party rises up and kicks Angela Merkel's butt 
in a way that, had she dealt with the issue, wouldn't happen. Well, I link that back to the fact that in Toronto, finally, we've got a police chief who, when a stabbing happens, a dual stabbing, at a Canadian Armed Forces recruiting center, is actually willing to say, yet we're looking at the terrorism angle. Normally, they won't say that. So kudos to Chief Mark Saunders. 521 talk, 521 star 580 on Bell Mobility. You're calling from out of town. It's 1-800-580-2372. Dave in Ottawa. You're on Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Anytime. I'm going to run through a few things quickly. And uh, first of all, the two ladies here about the abortion ads. Mm-hmm. Um, again, how silly and one-sided. Uh, these are the same people probably. First of all, you invited them to call in. They didn't. Either be, and I bet they probably aren't the kind of people listen to this kind of a show anyway. And if they did, oh, no, they, they, would, they, they would be disgusted at listening to private radio, Dave. I mean, I'm talking it's about not government-funded yeah. radio. So as I say, first of all, they wouldn't be listening. And second, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think they had the courage to call in and defend their position anyway. But if they want to, we'll take their calls. I mean, of course, the offer was made to them. Fair enough. Uh, these are the same kind of people probably who'll be down at the uh, RA Center when the circus is in town uh, with signs about the animals being not badly treated. So it's like, you know, save the animals, but don't save the children. See, when you say, I, I'm just going to show you my bias, Dave. When you said down at the RA Center, I thought, you mean at the range? No, no, no. <laughs> well, they got a great firing range there. Yeah, I know. But we don't want to make targets to those people down there, just on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They'd likely be out there protesting the Shriner Circus. Yeah. And um, whatever issues I might have with the Shriners, the fact is the Shriners Hospital, and I've been to the Shriners Hospital yeah. in Montreal, they provide medical care. I think there's only three in North America. And they provide medical care for specialized diseases that nobody else will touch. And they provide, they provide it free of charge. Regardless Doesn't matter race, color, or creed. Absolutely. Doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, you need care, you're there. And so Montreal takes care of uh, New England. It takes care of Eastern Canada. And then I forget where the other two are in North America. But they look after it. Okay, let's move on to, I'm going to maybe link the Trump thing. The Trump thing, mm-hmm. uh, somebody was reporting about it, I think even from Rubio's camp, that Chicago, as you said, is known to be the hotbed of professional rabble-rousers and protesters. Sorry, which campaign? Uh, somebody from Rubio's campaign actually defended uh, Trump against the people in uh, Chicago. Okay. And the, the, they point out that Chicago is the hotbed of that kind of... Prof- and they, they used to term professional protesters. Absolutely. And you know, you've covered stuff here, and I, I belong to the union, or I used to, the, the PSAC, worked in, working in the government. I'm and sorry about that. I know, but I, I wasn't a, a, a very strong uh, proponent. In fact, I had a grievance one time, they wouldn't touch it, but uh, that's another story. But uh, you, you go to their rallies, and then you go to the anti-Bush campaign when he visited. It's always the same people. I bet you probably know their faces. You've been to so many of those protests. I actually used to, when I was a reporter here at CFRA, mm-hmm. It didn't matter what the issue was. I would see the same protesters. Yeah, and you knew them by face. And I knew them by face. Some of them I knew by name. Uh, Dwayne, if you're listening, it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, I'd be happy to grab a beer with you. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same people all the time at every protest, every political rally, every union rally. It's the same people over and over again. I wonder if they get paid for doing it. Yes. Well, you know what? Um, my friend and colleague Ezra Levant has looked into this with some of the Toronto protesters that he's looked into. I, I haven't done this in, in, in Ottawa because I doubt we have the same amount of money. But in Toronto, yeah, there are paid professional protesters that yeah. show up at all the different events. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the media will not ask questions. You know, Dave, I, I have sat there and watched the talking heads on TV. When, when I worked in TV, I used to tell our cameramen every time there was a protest going on, I'd say, I don't want you to get the protesters' faces. I want you to get their signs. Because you'd see uh, talking head after talking head, the reporter out there standing up in front of all these people walking. Well, we're not sure what they want, but uh, they're angry. And and then you'd look up at their signs and you'd, you'd see the Bolshevik tendency and the communist this and the communist. And they're, they're, they're outright telling you what they want, but the reporters won't look up and they won't report on it. And I don't uh, I know. know why. I know you got other people waiting online. Can I just one more very quick? Well, thing? I have a question for you. Uh, so you no, you go first, and then I got a question for you. All right. Uh, my third thing was that the uh, incident in Toronto and the possibility that it was terrorist uh, or that kind of relation. We've got uh, Mr. Habib from Quebec, who is now under uh, watch not to leave the country, and so on. We have the Toronto 18 guy who's going to get his citizenship back and all these kinds of things. And thank you very, very freaking much, Mr. Trudeau. You know, I guess, I guess what I would want to see happen is that those people, like the, uh, the progressive conservative regulation said, if you have dual citizenship or are able to claim dual citizenship and you're caught and convicted in something like that, you lose your Canadian portion and out of the country you go. I wouldn't even keep them in jail here because that's causing us to send them out. Well... That's because you hate immigrants, Dave. No, I don't hate immigrants. You obviously <laughs> hate immigrants, and I don't care what your accent says of where you're from. You I'm obviously, from Newfoundland. <laughs> you obviously hate immigrants. Yeah, I was born after 1949, so I was born a Canadian. <laughs> oh, you were born a Canadian. Yes, okay. I was. Yeah, I'm not. That was anybody as of April 1st, 1949, <laughs> as a Canadian. Now, do you know the story about that? <laughs> yes, I do. They wouldn't have it on April 1st. So it's midnight of March 31st. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the thing... The, the, I thought I did. Apparently the, not. The signing was originally scheduled to happen on the morning of April 1st. And somebody says, no, no, no. People are going to think this is an April Fool's joke. <laughs> so, no, seriously, Saint Laurent and Joey Smallwood got together and said, okay, we'll do it at the stroke of midnight on March 31st. And that's the, that's the fact. Well, you know, I, I, I was going to ask you what part of Ireland you're from, but I'm <laughs> guessing you're from St. John's. Yeah, from St. John's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I know a priest here in town, Bill Penny. Sounds I like I know Bill Penny, but not, not personally very well. But I, yeah. he, he, but he, of course, he spent years in Dublin t- uh, studying. Yeah, I studied but in Dublin too, same place, All Hollows. He sounds like he's from Dublin. I'm like, for goodness sakes, you're not from Canada, but he is. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Thank you very much too. All right, Albert's calling in from Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay. Oh, I got to hit the button again. There we go. Thunder Bay, Albert. You're on the program. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I am here. <laughs> but, you know, 
I keep blaming Bill Carroll because I've been working these phone lines for years, and it wasn't until Bill Carroll showed up that I started having these problems. Well, he was in Toronto first, so it is probably his fault. Yeah. What, you know, anytime I get a chance to blame someone from Toronto or Cope Bridge, that part of Scotland that I don't want to acknowledge, Bill and I uh, have known each other for years. So just for anybody that is listening that thinks I pick on Bill, Bill and I have known each other for a long time and used to work together. So if I'm ever picking on him, it's because I think he's not listening and it's fun. You're you're calling in about what's happened in Germany. Uh, Yes, exactly. Actually, what... um, uh, what, um, um, sent me into a flurry of, of dialing the phone is your statement that this kind of situation probably wouldn't happen in Canada. Oh, it no, already, it, it, it could. It already has happened in Canada. In what way? What about the, what about the Montreal schoolgirls? Re- reported uh, the situation that was reported right on the, the rebel media itself. Oh, okay, so when I... When I was talking about Canada, I mean, if we want to avoid this sort of thing happening in terms of how our polit or how people react politically, then we need our politicians to be willing to admit what's in front of them. I agree. Do, and who, and who, and unfortunately, they're often not. It's why I'm giving so many kudos well, to so, Mark Saunders, the chief of police in Toronto today, who's right. willing to say, "Hey, look, we're looking at the terrorism angle here." But so so far, who who uh, in 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 the Canadian standard me- media uh, or a Canadian politician admitted what happened in Montreal? So we've had schoolgirls go from Montreal and Toronto to become ISIS brides. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, Albert. No, I'm t- I'm talking about the guy who was raping up to ten schoolgirls in Montreal. Okay, this is a story I don't know. Despite being involved well, with the rebel, know it because it's uh, it was reported, uh, the, the story was reported uh, on Ezra Levant's show some weeks ago. It, Talk it, to it, Ezra; he'll it, tell you all about it. it, it well, it, it, as much as I can't tell you everything that Ezra talks about, he can't tell you everything that I talk about. There's only so many stories any of us can follow in a single day, and and, and that's the God's honest truth, Albert. But well, okay. I, I'll believe you, and I'll, I'll look it up, and I'll post no, it on I'll social media later. Uh, act, actually, uh, I, I've got my computer on. I, well, e- email I, it to I, me. I can even quickly tell you what date it, it was uh, well, reported on. E- email it to me, beyondthenews at cfra.com, okay. or brian at therebel.media. Either of them work. Send it to me. Let me know about it, and and I'll post it myself on social media. Like I say... You can't follow every single story because there's just too many. And, and as a matter of fact, one of the things Ezra complained about is uh, the, the story first went to CBC, and CBC, said, CBC shook their heads and said, oh, th- this is just a local story. Unfortunately, that happens too often. I mean, look at the Shafia trial. That you know, This is a murder of a family out of Montreal, Right. But it happened in Kingston for, after, for they'd women. Been, after they'd been on a trip to Toronto, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and still originally treated as if it were just a local murder story. Uh, meanwhile, if it had been 
you know, shootings at a mosque in Calgary, it would have been alerted right away as it were as it was the other day and on the national news watch across the country. And and the fact is that didn't happen when it came to the Shafia trial. And and people were silent about it and obviously silent about this because I don't know what you're talking about, but I will be happy to look it up. Thanks for the call, Albert. Okay. All right. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Be back with final thoughts after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I want you to make sure that you're getting everything you need out of this. Please make sure you drop by social media sites like Twitter and Facebook. It's twitter.com slash Brian Lilly or facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. As I keep telling you, I, I try and make it easy for you. I mean, why make it hard? Why give myself some kind of weird name? Brian Lilly. That's my name. So twitter.com slash Brian Lilly, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. And while you're there, make sure you click like or follow and get my feed in yours. Also, I want to make sure that you if, you, if you like what you hear, you got a smartphone. Don't care if it's Android or iPhone or iOS. Make sure that you, you, know, you can download the app so you can listen. You don't get the radio signal good in your house. Download the app. Bell Media Talk Radio app is fantastic. You can hook hook your phone up or your tablet up to your Wi-Fi, listen in, and enjoy the show at night at home. You connect it to your TV, you connect connect it to your Beats pill, whatever you want. But just, you know, be able to listen to good radio all night online. And then if you want to listen on demand, it's easy. There's SoundCloud, there's iTunes, there's Google Play, there's Stitcher. You'll find me there and do that. 100,000 listens. Thank you very much. Thank you to the CFRA Nation. I know that you're a big part of putting me past that 100,000 listens over the last year. Only set up my, uh, my podcasting page about a year ago at SoundCloud, and you guys have been a big part of pushing me over that 100,000 limit. There has been a story that you're going to be hearing more about. You hear about it in the news at the top of the hour. You'll hear about it on the morning show tomorrow. But I want to play the clips again because they're important for a couple of reasons. One, to make sure that you hear the fullness of what's out there. And secondly, that you know that terrorism is being investigated as an angle. A double stabbing at a Canadian Forces recruiting center in Toronto. If you've never walked into an armed forces recruiting center, they're not, they're very welcoming. It's like walking into a Menchie's to get some frozen yogurt. They want you to walk in. They want you to come in and try what they have on. And so you don't walk in and and get frisked. So a guy walks in, 27-year-old man today, pulls out a knife and starts stabbing people, according to Toronto Police Chief of Police Mark Saunders. 
A lone male walked into this location, attended the Canadian Forces Recruitment Centre, at this time in an unprovoked manner, produced a knife and attacked the person behind the counter that was in full uniform. This male then proceeded to walk towards the rear where other employees in uniform were. At this time, through the training of the Canadian Forces members, they were able to subdue the male, but in the process, another male was stabbed. So another male was stabbed. Two men, two male members of the Canadian Armed Forces, and they say there were between six and eight. I don't know why they can't give us a straight number. Between six and eight members of the Canadian Armed Forces were on site. They were willing to put their lives at risk. Somebody coming at them with a knife. They have training for this. They subdued. But two members were stabbed. So the first guy was stabbed at the front desk. Probably didn't see anything coming. The second guy stabbed as they're subduing the perp. Now, kudos to Chief Saunders because he's willing to do what few others are, and that is to admit early in an investigation that due to comments that the perp made, and the perp is now in hospital, due to comments that the perp made, they are looking at the prospect that this is terrorism-related. That is one of the angles that we are strongly looking at at this point in time. We don't have a clear understanding for what the motivation is, but I can say that a male 27-year-old uh, person was, in fact, apprehended and right now is in the hospital for medical clearance before the investigation uh, will be further uh, initiated. All right, so more to come in that investigation, but um, you'll hear more in the morning show tomorrow. Check out The Morning Rush with Bill Carroll here on News Talk 580 CFRA, and then Rob Snow coming on at 10 o'clock. You will hear more about this in the overnight hours. But remember, you heard the news breaking here on Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Check back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Download the podcast. You missed something? Download the podcast. Make sure you're checking us out. Make sure you're spreading the word on social media. Let your friends and family know. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back tomorrow.